0: Into um, our lesson tonight, I'm going to do, I'm not sure how many lessons, uh, but we're going to do some expository teaching through the book of Ephesians. And um, um, I'm going to call the series, uh, You Are What You Eat. And um, I I don't want too many people to think of that in the natural, (laughs) Um, but um, we're going to hopefully spiritualize. You are what you eat, and um, I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to go through, and we'll see how far we get with our, our, our lesson tonight, but um, uh, just before we start reading, uh, of course, Ephesus is the city that Paul is writing to, the book of Ephesians, and Eph- Ephesus was an incredibly powerful and wealthy city in the ancient world uh, of Paul's time. It had marble streets, mosaic sidewalks, and a massive temple to Diana that was considered one of the wonders of the Greek world. It, uh, It had a very busy port. It had a popular athletic arena and maybe one of the finest libraries of the first century. And it was filled with artwork of that time, uh, the tapestries, silks, exotic uh, uh, birds, animals. Um, the book, uh, the city of Ephesus was very well known in its in its time, and even today, uh, the restored Colosseum at Ephesus is considered one of the maybe the finest performing art centers in the in the whole world, even to today. And so it was. Uh, This very influential city had about a half million people that the Apostle Paul uh, taught the gospel, and he planted a church in this city. And if you look at Paul's ministry, he worked actually longer uh, here in Ephesus than anywhere else that he was at. He stayed nearly three years in Ephesus, and you can read that in Acts chapter 19 and uh, so, when we go into this study, that kind of just gives you a little setting of um, the book of Ephesians that's written to the city their church at Ephesus. And if you look at um, verse 1, we'll read verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. This is this is pretty common for Paul's writing. It was Greco-Roman uh, in style. The letters began with uh, uh, kind of uh, the writer to the addressee, uh, and then he gives a greeting. So this is pretty uh, standard in how you'll read this type of, of, of introduction into most of uh, Paul's writings. Now, you'll notice here he doesn't, he doesn't actually say, uh, who, who he's writing it to. Uh, but Paul did, however, commend at the end of the book in, in chapter 6, verse 21, Tychicus uh, probably is who the postscript is to, and it's probably he's the one who uh, is the carrier of this letter that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Um, you'll notice in um, the very first the first verse, that Paul is uh, making a couple things really clear. It's, um, he's speaking about the will of God. Will of God's always important. And he's speaking to the faithful. And so there's a couple things that stick out in this, this um, first verse of, of Ephesians. That um, it kind of goes together. People who are in the will of God are usually people who are faithful. They kind of work together. Uh, if you find yourself out of the will of God, there's something probably that is not uh, happening in a faithful manner. And, and uh, that kind of works together as well. So Paul's, he's kind of sticking out a couple of things here to the saints which are at Ephesus. Uh, he's speaking by the will of God. And he's talking to the faithful. Um, verse 2, grace be to you, he says, and peace from God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The reason that God can bless us is that he is a blessed God. He is not uh, frail or impoverished and trying to make it. (laughs) He's not trying to get by. Uh, He has every resource at his disposal. Everything was created by him and for him. All things consist for him. And so, um, just so we keep this in mind, the devil doesn't own anything. (laughs) He thinks, but he doesn't own anything. Nothing is his. And... uh, and so God, He has everything at His disposal, and we're like children to Him. And let me tell you, God's a good parent. He's a good parent. He, he's not only good to us, He's actually good for us. Amen. Uh, sometimes He doesn't give us everything all at once, uh, and there's reasons for that. But when blessing comes uh we we uh we need to be mature enough to be able to handle what god has for us and to be honest with you god knows what i can handle on the negative and he also knows what i can handle on the positive not only can i be destroyed by things that happen in my life in a negative fashion but i can also be destroyed by things that happen to my life in a positive fashion if I don't handle those properly. And so God's a good parent. Uh, you know, uh, anyone that's raised children, you, you, you try to keep a balance. You, you know, you don't buy the, your child a car at age 10. You're trying to balance it out. You're trying to think whether they should have a cell phone, maybe, not a car. Or you try to balance things out. You know what? If you'll do this, this, and this, the, then this may be possible. There's reasons for that. You're, you're trying to parent. And the word is you're trying not to spoil them. And God's, God's a great parent. He, he tries not to spoil us in the sense that what is given to us may become detrimental to our walk with him. He knows what's best for me. He knows what is good for me. And so you'll see in this passage, he, he begins with a comprehensive, kind of a single sentence. In uh, verse 3, he's starting it here. It's If you look in the English language from verse 3 to verse 14, it's basically a 202-word eulogy, uh, a praise, a commendation, uh, or tribute uh, and thanks to God. And he's and and Paul's kind of uh, writing from verse three to verse fourteen. He's he's talking about how great God is and how great God is to you and I, yeah. And the passage that he's he's uh, he's uncovering here is uh, is is an understanding for these early Christians uh, that the, they have a covenant with God, they have a salvation history with God, and the form of the language that Paul is using. Here in this eulogy is rooted back to the Old Testament. And, and you'll notice the basic structure uh, is in the Old Testament is blessed be. If you look at the Old Testament, you'll see that all through the Old Testament. Blessed be. And then he'll add the name of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or blessed be God. Or blessed be Jehovah. Uh, you'll see that all through the Old Testament. And so the New Testament, Paul's kind of following that, that, uh, that standard eulogy formula. And, in, and instead of uh, specifying the God of Israel, which it was in the Old Testament, as the recipient of the blessing, he's, he's saying, listen, this is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's considering uh, that obviously Jesus is the Son of God. And so this is how he's starting. He, he's, he's mentioning that God's, uh, he's there to, uh, this relationship that he has with Israel from the Old Testament. Uh, that was under the Old Covenant. But he's got even a greater relationship with the ones of the New Testament or the New Covenant. Blessed be the God and Savior, God and Father, God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's highlighting that God has a new covenant with his believers. It's important to understand how he's starting this, what is kind of seen as a, a eulogy. And, um, and, he, and, and, and notice this now in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. That's, uh, that's past tense. He hath blessed us. Um, yes. Uh, We're looking for blessing. Yes, we're thankful for blessing that comes. But we can't forget how blessed we are. We can never forget what He's already done. What He's already provided. What He has already accomplished in our life. He hath blessed us. That's past tense. We already have access to the resources of heaven. Because he hath blessed us. The idea behind that is if he never blessed me again. I'm still a very blessed person. It's kind of like. Going back to the idea that God knows. What I can handle. And what I can't. He kind of keeps a tab on. The blessings, because the blessings for me can actually destroy my life just as much as improve my life. And, yes, our kids in the natural can become spoiled, but guess what? As a spiritual child of God, I can become spoiled too. Give me more, give me more, give me more. And I have to stop and think of what he's already done. I'm a blessed person. And so when I stop and I take an idea of what God has already done in my life. The blessings of God, church, are a finished work. From God's viewpoint, we possess our promised land right now. All the blessings we can ever receive from God... Have already been created. He's not making up something new for you and I. They're already in existence. And the first step to, be, to possessing those blessings is believing that God has exactly what you and I need. He has what I need at any particular moment. And he knows just when to give it to me. He's the perfect parent. Now, you are what you eat. I have to be honest, and I'm sure mom and dad, they will either they're watching now or they'll be watching this in the morning. Because the next time I talk to them, which probably will be either tonight or in the morning, the Lord tarries, he's going to say, I heard you say this from the pulpit. So just so I'm, I could look right directly into the camera and speak to them, You are what you eat. Hmm. Now, I have to be honest. (laughs) Growing up, there was a lot of things I ate that I didn't care for at all. And when I got married and I was able to make my own decisions of what I could eat, There was a lot of things that never have made it to my plate again. And you would hear things like this. Brent, you got to eat your carrots because they're good for your eyes. I don't know if that's true. That's what I heard. Got to eat your carrots. They're good for your eyes. Turnips, squash, peas, there's nothing much worse than peas. I'm telling you right now. Horrible. Horrible. If you like peas, something wrong with your taste buds. You are what you eat. I don't know what the deal is with that. All these things. Now, fortunately, I enjoy some of those things, not peas. Peas is list, But carrots, I enjoy raw. Cucumber, raw. Lettuce, raw. String beans, raw. I like those things raw. And, and maybe that, you know, I'm just kind of strange that way. It's the way I am. And I always heard, you know, you gonna, you, you got to eat these things to be strong and healthy. And so, somewhere around, I don't know, 10, 11, I'm thinking. Back in those days, I was really skinny. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a big joke. I was really skinny. And my, my mother thought that I wasn't eating enough of all of those things. So she started every day to give me a pill bottle full of tonic. I have no idea what was in that. But it was supposed to give me appetite. And whatever powerful stuff was in that pill bottle once a day has never stopped working. <laughs> you are what you eat. The first step to possessing the blessings that God has is to understand He has everything you need. Number one. The second step is to possessing them is taking what He gives to you and I... Or has promised to you and I. Sometimes we don't like what we're eating, but He knows what's good for us. He does. Our blessings are the first and foremost; they're spiritual blessings. But out of those spiritual blessings, He He then opens up the. Avenues of life for you and I to have abundant life. Now, in my mother's case, she thought she was doing the right thing for me to be healthy. She opened up the windows of abundant. Yeah. Abundance. Here's here's what... Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but of the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. What God has given you and I to feast on, he is doing everything in his power, not just to please us here, but to get us there. And so the blessings that God has uh, are, are spiritual blessings that are eternal. And not everything that happens in our life is pleasurable. But it may be good for you and I eternally. See, they existed before we did, these blessings. And when we come to God as a child... He deposits those blessings kind of into a spiritual bank account for you and I. And everything you and I need to survive, he has exactly an understanding of what we need. Natural blessings are only temporary. But spiritual blessings last forever. That's why everything he delivers to you and I is what you and I need. There are times, folks, um, when things happen in our lives that we don't see as a blessing at the time. We can look back and see growth. We can look back and see God's hand involved. We can look back and see how God performed uh, his miraculous power. We can look back and see how we, we grew through situations. But in the moment, we do not see them as blessings. In the moment... I had zero desire for baked bean night. I've left the worst to the last, baked bean night. Did you guys ever have baked bean night at your house? I prayed, I I don't know if this happened happened to you, but every so often mom would cut up wieners and put some wieners in there. And I just prayed for three or four of those to land on the plate. I don't know if they're good for you. I have no idea. I, I have a, a lot of doubt about that. Again, everything that was put on, this is good for you. This will make you strong. This will keep you healthy. This will... I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Looking back, maybe it has accomplished what was stated that it was going to do. And, I've, you know, I've remained fairly healthy throughout my life. And so maybe all of that was, is true. But in the moment, all I wanted was just two or three pieces of wiener. No, no beans. Horrid. Do you know that happens to us spiritually? In the moment we get, God, what are you doing? I don't like this. This is not what I need. This is not satisfying. This is not pleasurable. This is, this doesn't taste good. This is, this is not what I asked for. Could you just throw me a couple bones? Could you just put in a couple wieners? Could you just do something a little? Di- it's got to be a little different than this. And in the moment, it doesn't seem that it's good. But they're still the blessings of God. And Paul writes, and he says, listen, there's a blessing that he has that uh, he's got in store for you that is. Is going to try to get you to eternity with him. Eternity with him. See the process of maturing in Christ. Is is simply learning how to work out what God has already placed in our path. He's not, he's not trying to ruin your life and my life. He's, that's the opposite of what he's trying to do. He's trying to preserve your life, preserve your future, preserve your eternal destination with him. So God, help me to figure out what you've already placed in me and in my path that are considered blessing. Spiritual maturity is living from the spiritual reality resonant in us through the power of the Holy Ghost uh, instead of just living uh, according to our outward circumstances. We, if we're not careful, we can look at what's happening around us and say, like, am I living in sin? Is my life, uh, God trying to punish me is, no, he's just trying to get you to be with him for eternity. And sometimes those blessings uh, are not always exactly what we want if it had been up to me i would have eaten ice cream caramel cakes joe louis yep but but mom knew best that wasn't what i could survive on and be healthy see a baby in its mother's womb has every gene every chromosome, every trait of an adult already, right from the moment of conception. That's the way it is with us when we receive the Spirit. And if we allow it, it's God's, it's God's Spirit in us that will continually work and lead us with the right capabilities and the right possibilities to become everything that He's desired For you and I to be. You don't yet know everything. I don't know everything about what God has planned for my life. But if I'll put my hands into his hands. Put my life into his hands. I know that the blessings he has for me will be exactly what's needed for me to get to spend eternity with him. And you always have to remember that there is no other believer, actually, that possesses more of God than you do if you've been filled with his spirit. No one. No one else possesses more of God than you if you're filled with his spirit. And some believers uh, have to learn how to walk with that inheritance there and the blessing of his spirit in our life. God, teach me to accept what you're given to me and receive it as instruction for my life and where you're trying to take me. Yeah. Uh, You know, when the devil comes against you, you need to recognize tonight that he's not only challenging uh, where you are. He's troubled with where God has taken you. He's not just upset that you may be in church tonight. What he's upset about is that you could get a hold of what God is doing in your life as blessing, and no telling what the future would be in your life. He's scared to death of what you can become. You are what you eat. He's intimidated, the enemy's intimidated by your destiny, and he's continually fighting against you. To not eat what's healthy. Now, I don't know. Did you do this? I might be telling too much tonight. Had my little bag lunch going to school. I'd look in there to see what was good. And if you weren't too hungry, you ate the good stuff first. And you left the other stuff just in case you didn't need it. And then I had this crazy desire to do stuff for free food. And so I, I, I like I didn't do all the other stuff at noon hour like everyone else But I did find out if you went and worked in the cafeteria, you could get a free lunch. And on the cafeteria list was all kinds of things that were not in my bag. Oh, mom and dad's watching. I just had to go in there for like half hour or something and And I got a free lunch and whatever I wanted off of that cafeteria list. Now they have terrible stuff on cafeteria lists. I mean, they've taken all the good stuff away, and you have to eat stuff healthy. Back then, that stuff wasn't there. There might have been two or three little compartments where you could pick up something healthy, but it was all the rest of the stuff was good. Fish and chips and pizza and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what in the spiritual? It's a continual battle of the enemy fighting against you not to get to your destiny. He doesn't want you to be blessed. And when I'm talking about blessing, it's not just what you think is good. It's what is eternal. Yeah. This is what Paul writes to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, ear, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of the man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, each and every one of us that have his Spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. He knows exactly what you and I need to get there. See, God has chosen you and I. There's not one person on the face of the earth that has showed any greater love towards you than than what God has already shown. I mean, he shatters everything. Because before you were created, before you were were thought of by anyone who ever knows you, he already loved you and had a plan and a purpose and blessing already for you. And he said, this is what will get them to be with me for eternity. Ah, what an incredible God. What a wonderful parent. He knows exactly what I need to eat. Got to hurry here. Let's let's do a little bit more reading. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He hath, that's past. That we should, that's future. He already decided that he wanted you to be with him forever. And so he put together a blessing plan. He put together a plan that wh- wh- as it unfolds in your life and my life, if we'll just accept what he has for you and I as blessing, it will get us from where we are to where he is. Yeah. He hath, past, that we should, future. That's why you and I have this desire to please God. Because of how He has blessed us. Not just in things that we think are good. But they're eternal. And He has this, you see in verse 4, the, it uses the word holy. That's an inner relationship with Him. Without blame. That's a Outer relationship with Him. Everything about God has designed for you to be with Him. Notice here in verse 4 as well, He uses the word according. That's the same root word as the musical term, chord. In harmony with God's pleasure, purpose, and power. No believer can live a holy life. And blameless life without God's Spirit. But with God's Spirit, it's like He brings the perfect harmony to your life to be able to handle the blessings that He has for you. Mm. Okay, verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will he uses this predestined uh, we had no influence on God choosing us because we didn't exist yet we had no access to him we weren't here but God planned a script a blessing for you as a Christian a life that it's like uh, it's it's kind of like when they when they do a movie I don't know much about movies, but when they do a movie, they'll do that final climax scene last. They'll do it first. The last scene, they'll make it first, and they build everything up to that. And God's kind of got your life. He's got one place for you, and that is to spend eternity with him. That's the last scene, and everything up to that point is to get you there. Everything he's doing in my life. Good. Bad. Ugly. (laughs) Some things are wonderful. And some things were painful. Some things were enjoyable. And some things you want to forget. Some things were exciting. And some things were disheartening. But all things. Work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. And he's got this final, final scene in mind. It is his will that no one should perish. So he has destined a a blessing script for you and I. What is it that we could have in our life that will get us to be with him? Uh, God is not making up his plan as he goes along for your life. Well, let's throw in a little of this and throw in a little. He's not doing that. He's way ahead. That's the reason he, he doesn't get hysterical about things that happen in, in our lives. This is, folks, this is a fixed fight. He's able to win everything that he's planned for you and I. It all comes down to whether I will receive what he has planned in my life. Satan created a dilemma when he seduced Adam into sin. Because he was trying to get God... To work against himself as long as what God loved that was man was separated from what God hated that was sin then there was no conflict as long as man and sin were separate there was no conflict because God could love what he loved, and hate what he hated. That's the way God is. There was no conflict with me and sin before sin came into man. God was able to separate. He loved and he hated sin. But when what he hated, sin, got into what he loved, man, it created a conflict. If he killed what he hated, he would kill what he loved. And if he loved what he loved, he would have to love what he hated because what he hated was in what he loved. <laughs> you following me so far? So there was a dilemma. And Satan was never able to create a dilemma That God wasn't already strategized for. That's why he says there was a lamb slaying before the foundation of the world. Because even if what he hated, sin, got into what he loved, man, he already had a plan for you and I. He wasn't going to kill what he loved because of what he hated was in what he loved. No, he said, i am already got a plan for that. I'm going to let the Lamb of God, hallelujah, die for the world. That was part of our blessing. He's been trying to direct your life and my life from the very beginning. That's why we can look at We can look at our lives at times and see decades of how God was working to get you to where you are now. I told a little bit of it at the funeral for Bill last Tuesday. If you weren't here, here's just a touch. Bill comes home from work, and he says he's moving Sandra wants to know where they're moving to. We don't know. But if you get a map out and you close your eyes and you point your finger on somewhere, that's where we'll move to. And the finger landed on Hamilton, Ontario. They didn't know anyone in Hamilton, Ontario, but that's where they moved to with $200. $200 into ha- Hamilton. No one they knew, no place to live, no job. And God was orchestrating. And they ended up buying a house with a $100 deposit in a neighborhood that, that Paul Long and his friend Bob were evangelizing in. And they knocked on their door. You tell me that God isn't orchestrating Our lives I love Ryan's description of that Ryan said if I had to try that I would end up in the ocean somewhere (laughs) this is how God works in your life you are what you eat God's blessing for you and I is not always what we like but it's what we need. Revelation, th- I'm coming to a close. Revelation 13 and 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the, in the book of life of, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Listen, everybody has had the same opportunity. Everyone's had the same type of script. Everyone has God designing a, a, a perfect Uh, opportunity for them to spend eternity with him. You and I have the privilege tonight. No one is better than anyone else. No respecter of persons. God's very clear about that. He's got it very, very well designed that everyone has the same opportunity to spend eternity with him. It's going to be whether you and I receive what he has for us. We don't serve a God who reacts We serve a God who has sovereignty acts. He doesn't react. He's already got it designed. He's never on the defensive. He's always on the offensive. Nothing that the enemy ever does can abort what God has already in store for your life. Now, Satan has... There's nothing he can maneuver around that God hasn't already thought of. God is not a contractor. He's the architect. He's the one who designed it. And so it comes down to, you know, we blame a lot of things on the enemy. The enemy can't. He can't change what God has in store for you. If you and I decide to receive what God has, the enemy can't do one thing about it. Not one. Not one. Okay, I'm going to end it with this. I didn't get very far. Notice what he says here in verse 5. He predestined us unto the adoption of children. He uses the word adopted. People give birth to children they don't want, but no one adopts someone they don't want. There's people who have kids that didn't want kids. But if you're ready to adopt someone, then you're, you've made a decision that you want them. And he uses, Paul uses this word, adopt. God made a choice. He didn't, well, I have to have this. Oh, my goodness, they're they're part of the church. I guess I'll just have to receive them. No, he adopted you into his family. Huh. Adopted. God adopted us knowing fully who we were, what we were, what mistakes we would make. All the blunders that would happen in life. Our ups and downs, our ins and outs, our our troubles, our discouragement. He still adopted us. Verse 6 tells us, you're accepted in the beloved. You talk about self-esteem. This is exactly why Christians don't need to be accepted by the crowd. Don't worry about the crowd. You've already been accepted in the beloved. You've been adopted by the heavenly father why would we try to worry about the crowd anyone else the blessings that god has for you says that i wanted you and i made a decision to adopt you i brought you right into the family thank you jesus not based upon who we were How much money we have and who we were born to and what culture we are and what language we speak and what country we came. None of those. No, no. He adopted you into his family. You are accepted in the beloved. Folks, you are what you eat. If you just think you're some kind of a scoundrel, then that's what you'll feel like being and that's what you'll be. If you realize that you are an adopted daughter and son of God, and you've been accepted in the beloved, it won't matter what anyone else says or tries to convince you of. No, 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 I'm blessed. He's already written my script. Everything about what he's trying to do is for me to spend eternity with him. And what you say about it can't determine my destiny. I'm not saying you would. I'm just making that statement. Well, actually, it's true. Yeah. Oh, Pastor, this, pa- No, no. You can't determine my destiny. My blessing comes from him. I'm accepted in the beloved. I've been adopted by him. You can't change that. The paperwork's done. My name's written already. I'm going to be with him. His blessings are all in store for me to spend eternity with him. Why don't you stand so I'll quit? Oh, you are what you eat. i have to thank mom and dad. Putting all that awful stuff on my plate. It got me to where I am today. And when I eat what I want to eat, guess what I have to do? I have to diet. I have to drive the bike. I have to walk kilometers and kilometers. Because when I eat what I want to eat, it doesn't turn out pretty. No different in the spiritual. When I eat what I, what I want to eat, the flesh when it wins it's not good but when i take the blessing of what god has for my life and i realize this is not temporary this is eternal i've been adopted into his family thank you jesus you know exactly what i need thank you for joining us today if you want more information connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca god bless you